Welcome to this edition of the Paradigm Podcast. I'm your host, Mohamed Triori. Today's episode features Caleb Bainey, a real estate investor, property manager, and youth mentor based in the Iowa City area. I reached out to Caleb because I wanted to feature another perspective from a successful business owner to once again shine a light on the things that we can achieve when we truly set our minds to something we believe in and for the right reasons. We hope you enjoy the listen and tune in for Friday's episode, which will feature Kyle Gannon. Kyle is a former University of Iowa men's swimming and diving athlete and a University of Iowa graduate. His episode will focus on the university's decision to terminate the swimming and diving programs along with men's tennis and gymnastics. And with that, we go on to today's episode. Providing the means to help others succeed. A conversation with Caleb Baining. Welcome to a new paradigm. Caleb Baining, my name is Mohamed Triori, as you know, host of the Paradigm Podcast. First met you in high school, I believe it was. And from there, I kind of lost touch with you. And as I remember it, you moved away or something like that, was it? Yeah, I moved to Madison, Wisconsin. And once in Madison, what did you really find yourself doing there or how your interests really changed? Honestly, Madison was a great move for me because it kind of, I had grown up in uh, Iowa City. I was born in Dubuque, Iowa. So I traveled, but I'd never lived in a little bit larger city. And Madison's about half a million in the metro. And so I met, I started to meet more diverse groups of people, saw some more city type stuff that started kind of the process of expanding my eyes. And then honestly, I had also planned on going to Wall Street to become an investment banker. And when I moved, my grades just took a plummet. And so I had to start scrambling for other stuff to look at. And that kind of got me started in business. Yeah, no, it's a nice story, actually, is in terms of the whole grades thing. It just goes to show that at the end of the day, regardless of what a piece of paper says about you, it doesn't really always have the best gauge of how far you can go in life and where you will go in life. I feel it really depends on your drive and your resolve and whether you're willing to persevere through tough times or mistakes. So I've think it's really commendable that you still are where you are today and you have succeeded so much. Thank you. And from there, how did you really get into the real estate side of things? Like, how did that interest really come up? I had done a couple of things in high school and just started learning from bosses. And then uh, while in high school, I started working as a laborer and concrete. And my concrete boss, I mean, it was apparent that he had a surplus of money. And so I was like, you know, just being inquisitive, I was like, hey, you either need to increase my wage or tell me what you're doing to make all this money. And he told me, I'm not going to, but I'll tell you that I'm doing a lot of real estate. And so I saw maybe like three of his properties. I went in after hours to help him clean some properties. And that started kind of like the interest in getting the real estate because he was explaining how you can buy it. And then the tenants will pay for it over time. And then you end up with an asset that you can essentially sell for cash or leverage. And then my cousin around the same time had gone and uh, bought a really small property and uh, flipped it and had some success with that. And so that was kind of my introduction to real estate. That's really cool. It, yeah, everything happens for a reason, I believe. So it's no mistake you moving to Madison and really finding that opportunity and how much you changed your life in that way. I've actually recently become very interested in real estate with a few of my closest friends from high school as well. And we're planning to really start investing into that side of things in a few months here down the line, just kind of getting our assets together and building our bases for now. But we see it as a way of really spreading a generational wealth, you know, because 
Yeah, that's really, really key to having a lasting impact and really lifting a family and a community. So when it comes to how you really see yourself in your community, what kind of impact would you like to have? I've, my goals have changed quite a bit over the past even year or so. Previously, I saw my impact as I want to make as much capital as possible, pass it down the family, ensure that my children and descendants have a good life. And then it kind of changed further towards a social impact side where I'd get actually the most satisfaction out of creating and providing jobs through which I feel I can not only uh, help secure some seed capital for some younger kids, but also it's somewhat of an opportunity to try to mentor and groom them and put them through kind of a, a landscaping boot camp, if you will. That's really awesome. And yeah, we kind of have a few plans to do the same. So hopefully we can keep learning from you as we go and maybe we can work with you down the line as well. We're really interested in doing a lot of this around the Iowa City area and other other inner city communities across the country over time because we'd really just like to see after school programs that aren't just focused on achievement in terms of how well you do on a test or what your GPA is but whether you're actually learning things that are going to keep propelling you as you go forward in life past the age of 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, more of the personal finance edge of things like can you think for yourself when there is no textbook in front of you or no chalkboard in front of you? Can you figure out how to seek out the information you need or use the resources you have in your community to really better yourself? And I remember you mentioned that you actually have been looking a lot into a lot of new resources or a lot of new opportunities or ways to really propel kids forward and to propel the populace forward really in terms of how they go about personal finance and investing and how they really build their own base. And I'd just like to give you some time to talk more on that. So I, I operate a couple low-income uh, housing complexes and communities. And within those, I started to notice that many, I think a large gap and a large issue that we have in the U.S. specifically is obviously the, the wealth gap, but more so the, the financial education gap. So I noticed a lot of these residents didn't have bank accounts. They didn't have savings accounts. They, you know, sure as hell don't have independent brokerages, nothing like that. And so I think that to me, sorry, I may have just veered off topic, but I think to me, one of the most important things is trying to share that knowledge of, hey, this is how you build your credit that will help you buy a house in which you can build equity, stop renting, that will help you uh, buy a better vehicle and like all, all of those things. So I think just it's kind of like a financial literacy is something that has been horridly neglected in our country. Yeah, I would have to agree. It's just weird. I really have to go on to things like Google or really have parents that are really knowledgeable in these sorts of things or people in your community that are gracious enough to really teach you these things in this day and age. I just feel, as I think you feel as well, that we should really just focus more of education, really teaching kids how to live life once they get past the classroom and really how to do for themselves and not just look for others to do for them because it's great to have others do for you, but we have to learn how to do for ourselves at the end of the day. I mean, the teach how to fish theory is kind of what I see. 
So, exactly. um, yeah. And in terms of the landscaping programs you spoke on as well, are there any specific programs you've looked into and are there sort of more of a deep dive you can do into that? Yeah. So I, I run on the side, I have a landscaping and tree service uh, business with about 15 guys that we've hired out of low income housing neighborhoods. And so with them, it's, there's, there's a lot of etiquette that we touch up on, you know, like we, I tell them we're, uh, we should be acting and showing up on site as though we're a SEAL Team 6. So as simple as, you know, it, it sounds overkill, but as simple as teaching someone, let's always walk around full of pride. A lot of these kids are beat up. They have lower confidence levels because of previous situations that were of no do of their own. And so just instilling in them, hey, you, you work hard. You have the work ethic. You have the intelligence. You have the drive. You should feel proud of that and walk around with your chest out. And then I think that little things like that carry through every aspect of their life, whether it be social or romantic, financial, business, employment, any of that, it, it all translates. And then whenever I get a down second with them or just whenever I'm walking, I just hang out with them. You know, it's kind of like how Guy Kiyosaki uh, says in his books and his speeches, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that kind of thing. I want to be the rich dad that's when we're walking around, I'm talking to them about, hey, do you know? why that building's there because there was a farmer who owned all the land and then a developer who subdivided it. This is how a subdivision works. And then a builder who built it, this is how that works. So I just try to give them every single day they're around me a piece of value uh, that we can add. And then also within the African-American demographic, I feel as though we, to be honest, we, we don't have as much light as we probably should on really good African-American role models. So those successful African-Americans that many of us know are the, the athletes, the musicians, and the actors, very few know that the CEO of American Express that brought that company to what it is today was an African-American. Very few know who the first African-American judge was. Very few know who the first African-American socialist was who paved the way for Martin Luther King's and the Malcolm X's of the world. And so I printed them off all a little calendar where every single day they can keep it by their bed. And then in the morning they look at it and they see, wow, that's a really good role model. We have, we look the same, you know, they overcame each year, the social issues in theory get a little better. So they can see what someone achieved a hundred years ago when there were maybe even a little more barriers up for that person. If they can achieve that back then, now you can achieve that uh, today. So we, we spend a lot of time doing stuff like that. That's amazing, really. I really believe in the effects of psychology. And so I look into it a lot and also philosophy as well. And from what I've learned from it and really gleaned from it is that the little things you see every day actually matter a lot. So as you do with the actual calendars and really just trying to stress little bits and pieces of information here and there, it really builds over time. It's the best way, in my honest opinion, to build the concrete foundation that people need to truly build themselves up and become something greater over time. I also just think that we as a society need to realize that we're not going to get everything that we need right off the bat. We'll get some things, but it just really takes being diligent and really keeping the end in mind every single day while we're working towards something, keeping concrete goals to know that just because I didn't achieve this today doesn't mean I can't achieve more tomorrow. And that it doesn't matter exactly if I have a down month here or an up month here. What, 
really matters is, am I still progressing towards my end goal? Am I still on my timeline? Because if I am, then even if I have a bad day today, I can still make it to where I want to go. Absolutely. And with your real estate endeavors and ambitions, are there any specific programs or anything that you think that people should really take the time to look into or give their own support to? Absolutely. Since I'm currently most heavily involved in affordable housing, I see as people not being aware of what resources are available to them. So if you think about it metaphorically uh, and correlate it back to like college, there's a lot of programs, there's a lot of scholarships and a lot of great benefits that you can get a hold of as a minority. But the issue is that most people don't know of them. They don't know where to look for them. And with affordable housing to anyone that's struggling, I, I guide them. We've created a nonprofit called Affordable Housing Solutions that has the sole intent of not only training property managers on affordable housing because very few know how to do it, but also help guiding the residents who may be in need of shelter towards the proper resources. So I would encourage everyone, whether you're looking for housing, whether you're a housing provider, or whether you're just an inquisitive person, to study up on HUD, low-income housing tax credit, as well as Section 8. There's a lot of fascinating stuff that, that is really good for us and the society as a whole. Even if you don't need HUD assistance, I think it's a good thing to be aware that it's out there. So if you know someone that does, you can help guide them towards that. Because we see many people who are without homes, without food, and, and they struggle, you know. Not everyone deserves to be driving around in a 2020 Lamborghini, but in my personal belief, everyone deserves to have access to get a good night worth of sleep. They can't go ace a job interview to get a job to get back in society if they can't have a good safe night of sleep. I encourage everyone to look into that and, and share, share the resources as they find them. That's very true. Is uh, another thing I really look into is the effects of homelessness. And I, from time to time, actually will speak with some of the homeless in my own community. And I'll ask them kind of about their upbringing and how they got in the position that they're in. And it just seems that the predominating theme is that they had a few months where they were down on their luck and it just compounded. And by the time they knew of the solutions, you know, that they could have fought for or taken advantage of, it was almost too late because for a lot of these things, you need to have a concrete address or a phone number or access to your health records or social security number or banking. And once you really get into that homeless cycle, you really lose out on a lot of that and it just perpetuates itself over time. Exactly. And we have, you know, not it's nothing political, but so you earn your life, right? You build your life, but you have to have a first stepping stone and not everyone has that first stepping stone. So I know a lot of people who are under the belief where if someone's sleeping under a bridge, then they must be a terrible person because they don't have a job and this other person gets up at 7am every day to get a job. Well, they haven't thought about those stepping stones that you just mentioned in order to find a job. You have to have a computer with Wi-Fi to go search for it. And then you have to do your job application and get the notification through your email. You have to have a phone number for them to call you back on. And then when you go in for your interview, you have to have a nice set of clothes that you have to have washed and ironed 
So if you don't have a home and you're just trying to get started, many do want to work. I don't think many people want to be sleeping under a bridge, but it's, there's a plethora of things that we take for granted that those people really need to get started. I wholeheartedly have to agree. It's just so sad seeing all of these homeless people and then also, you know, how arrest records are just out there and seeing how so many of them just keep ending up on the blotter over and over and over again. And with talking to so many of them that I have, I mean, I'm no trained psychologist or anything, but from their mannerisms and their actions, it becomes clear to see for very many of them that they do have mental health issues. So as a society that now places so much of an importance on mental health and on really supporting people with mental health issues. I'd also just like us to really acknowledge the fact that a lot of these people do have these issues and that we should be supporting them. And instead of shutting down mental health facilities, we need to be improving access to these facilities and not just having that be the only step, but improving the amount of people from different backgrounds that work in these facilities that can help us all understand more of the actual issues going on. So if we have someone that was hired into this facility or came from a background of having less, they might do a better job of really relating to the person off the bat and really just steering them towards what they need to do. Exactly. And I'm, I'm not a politician. I'm a little random business guy, but I personally believe that we don't spend nearly the amount of attention on mental health that we should be. We have annually, I, I had tracked the numbers one time and it had shocked me, but annually we have more deaths caused by suicide alone than deaths that we had when there was that big blow up in the Middle East and more, more deaths from suicide than we have from, I don't know about COVID and I don't want to offend anyone, but the, the mental health is a serious thing, not only for like number of lives, for health of the citizens, for social contribution. If these people are having mental health issues, it's not plausible to expect them to go focus on their job. It's like, it's, it's like that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You have to have your, yourself figured out enough so that you can sit there um, and do an interview. Then you have to have the clean clothes to sit there for the interview. You have to have a car to transfer yourself to the interview. And per capita, we spend so much, as a country, we spend so much more money on different needs, such as military, political battles, things like that. And we're completely forgetting and disregarding about the large majority of society that's struggling with uh, mental health. So I, I completely agree. And I think there should be even more attention towards it. Yeah, and I don't even see it as something that should offend anyone and people shouldn't really just immediately take it as a political statement. I feel like it's more of a human rights statement and a public health statement. And when it comes to those things, it should be things that everyone is interested in, regardless of where you are on the political spectrum, because they are the people in your community. And if we're going to want our communities to advance, we should want every person that's really out there trying to get back on their feet, that's really out there trying to contribute more to the community, to really help them get back on their feet or to really help propel them forward. Because the more each individual person does for the other person, the more we all benefit in terms of raised economic benefits, more money to spend in the community, more jobs available, because that just is a positive feedback cycle that helps itself. And 
eventually you have less of a fragmented community of people that are really well off and others that really aren't, but you're really bringing everyone up over time. And I know that it's not realistic for everyone to be on the same income level or the same level of progress or the same level of, of support, but to just have that minimal basis of more of a agreed upon community charter of sorts that this is how we want to represent ourselves in this community. And this is how we want to really help others in our community. If we can really establish those baselines, we could really all move forward in a way that's beneficial to all of us. I agree. I agree completely. And with all of that, I guess the next few things I'd like to ask you before closing are that, so being a business owner and knowing that it's so difficult to get started and that it's difficult to get support in many cases. What were the things that when times got tough really forced you to keep going and to never give up or to lose sight of your goals? To be honest, the people, I think you hit a point where you're, for me, at least I was initially motivated by, wow, I want to be able to buy a Ferrari or whatever. And, at the end of the day, that stuff really doesn't matter, but it's the people who matter a lot. So with real estate, when I went through tough times, what motivated me the most was I'm creating a life for my, I have a three-year-old sister and a a one and a half-year-old brother. I'm creating a life for my siblings to be able to go chase whatever goal they want, because whether we accept it or not, money is oftentimes a limitation in what a person can and can't do in life. So if my little sister decides that she wants to go study dolphins in Hawaii and dedicate her life to that, as long as she's doing something, she has the means to go do that. She doesn't have to go chase whichever job pays the most, stuff like that. And so it made me realize, like, you're not just working for yourself. You're not working for some car. You're working for your family that isn't even there yet. You know, it's like for my my future wife and my future kids, I'm really looking forward to them harvesting the fruits of the fruits of my labor I still want to get my nice stuff out of it right like I still want to be able to take a car out and have some fun but that's really what got me through the tough time of real estate and then with landscaping and tree service to be honest we're in the tough time right now this I've you know I've no ego to no ego to hide it with I've surpassed my stress limit I've surpassed my workload I've passed out on my kitchen floor I've felt every emotion in the world I've done everything with this landscaping stuff because of the sheer volume that we've had. And we're trying to be the first response to show up to people's homes and clear the debris so that they can get power. And it's, it's a high stress job in its own because of the dangerous nature of it. And what's kept me going with that is I, I can't get out of bed some days. And then I get a call from one of the laborers. They're up at 5 a.m. They're like, hey, Caleb, where are you? Are you going to come pick us up? Are we going to get to work? And I'm like, you know, like it, we're, we're a little family because con- landscape construction and tree service is such demanding work. You have to be a family. Only the SEAL Team 6 of the, of the team can hang uh, for more than a week. And so they motivate me. And then looking at them, uh, because storm season has been so many hours, they've all got enough money to go uh, buy cars, buy clothes, provide money back to their families. And so, again, it's kind of made me realize I'm not the only affected party these workers are relying on me for maybe it's motivation or someone to follow. Maybe it's for their money. Maybe it's for their feeling good about themselves so that they can feel good. Like they've 
they've helped probably about a hundred, I think this week, about 150 households regain power. So in those households, there's people with no food. There's people with no air conditioning during our hottest month. There's people with no internet to pay their bills. They can't get a hold of their families. And so our team has gone in and cleared this debris to make that possible. What about people with medical needs that have a have a sleep machine and they don't have any power during the night and they can't get a generator because they're all sold out because we're in a natural disaster. So helping those kids be able to do, do that good, it gives me a really good feeling, the most fulfilling feeling that I've ever had, realizing that these kids are waking up in the morning, knowing that they are contributing a lot to society. It's, it motivates me and keeps me going, seeing that the team is working they're working to their max. They've been running 15, 16 hours a day, seven days a week for the past two and a half weeks or so. And so I, it's, we're, we're all in it as a team. If it was just me, I don't know that I could, that I could do it. As cliche as that sounds, it's your team, it's your family, and it's who your other stakeholders behind the scene are that keep you going. And so it sounds weird. And if someone said it to me uh, when I was 19 years old, I wouldn't have believed it. But I think for people starting out, the most important thing to do is to find an industry or find a niche that they truly feel they can make a difference in the world, whether that be through medical, whether that be through some sort of construction, whatever it is, because you're going to hit rough times. You're going to hit times where you don't know if you should scream, cry, jump off a bridge or run down the street as fast as you can. And, and when there's something that's great enough behind that cause that's even starting to motivate other people, it's, it's a special kind of adrenaline. That's an amazing answer. And I'm so glad you went so in depth with that. Very key things that people can really do to advance themselves and to really help themselves move forward and not just always depend on someone else. And I'm not saying that that's wrong by any means, but it is good to have your own means so at the end of the day, I just want to thank you again for everything that you are doing and how you are giving back to your community. Because while it may just seem like a little list of things, as you basically stated, it really is a cascade of benefits to everyone. I mean, it might feel like you're only impacting the team, but at the end of the day, that team is going out there, your family is going out there and impacting everyone else around them and everything they touch every person they talk to and every little piece of debris that they remove is really making a huge difference in these times so thank you again for being you thank you again for fighting so hard for your dreams and fighting so hard for others thank you and it, it means a lot and i you know i just like to make sure that everyone knows that your contribution doesn't even have to be this crazy innovative new idea we don't do anything that's too, it's not rocket science. You know, we move trees, clear debris, provide housing, and we're still able to pull that strong social benefit from it. So someone who's involved in medical, someone who's involved in mental health, some of, someone who's involved in education, any of those other areas that we've touched, they have that much more power and ability to achieve that same goal and not only provide benefit, but, but keep them themselves and their team moving forward. So, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much again for doing this interview. And I can't wait to 
share it with everyone. This is easily one of my favorite interviews, if not my favorite interview I've done so far for the Paradigm Podcast, just because of the content in it and the resources and the peer perspective as well. So I think something that people really lose sight of is that it's not just the people that are struggling that we need to hear from, but the people that are succeeding as well. Because the good news is good to hear and it's something great to hang on to. When you have this good news from people that are succeeding, it really gives you the belief that you can succeed no matter the circumstances. And that while some of us may have more obstacles, at the end of the day, there are always people that have it worse and maybe some that have it better, but those that succeeded kept pushing. And everyone that succeeded has struggled. A lot of people, they, there's an ego that hides any kind of past struggle or adversity it's hidden you know a guy driving past you in a ferrari you don't necessarily know that he was born to a 17 year old mother grew up without a father didn't have any family you don't know those things because they aren't worn you just see the end result so i think it's also crucially important when you're looking at uh people you know everyone has a different deck of cards but I, everyone has their own level of adversity and the the people who have gone through adversity and have struggled I think tend to achieve the highest levels of success because they have the drive and they have the grit. Those who have never had a struggle, who don't have any adversity, it's very tough logically to rationalize why it would be worth it to get so stressed out to the point where you're screaming into the carpet on the floor, you know, but someone who, someone who's, who's been homeless before, if they have a shot, if they get on the, if they get rolling, yeah, movies like The Pursuit of Happiness with that being yeah. the true story just kind of just prove it. What look down and see is the worst of us is they may want to say in some cases truly can be the best of us if we just give them an opportunity. Exactly. Thank you so much again. Awesome. Good luck to you and to your team and keep fighting the good fight. Thank you. Keep spreading the knowledge. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, take it easy. Bye. Hope you enjoyed the listen, and we'll tune in tomorrow for the new episode featuring Kyle Gannon, a former University of Iowa swimming and diving athlete. He will be speaking on why he takes issue with how the university handled the cancellation of a few sports programs and what he would like to see happen going forward. He'll also be speaking on the long-term impacts of this decision, not only on the school, on the community, but on the athletes in question. With that being said, Please visit the links in the podcast description to learn more about housing and urban development, and also to learn more about Caleb and his endeavors. Thank you so much for listening today. Welcome to New Paradigm.